What's up, world? I'm Matt Newberg from Hungary, and this is The Feed. Each episode, we'll dive into conversations with the industry insiders who are leveraging technology to shape the way we eat. On today's episode of The Feed, I sat down with Sean Walchiff, owner of Cali Barbecue and Cali Barbecue Media, a 15-year-old barbecue chain located in San Diego, California that also creates B2B content for restaurant operators. In this episode, we'll discuss how Cali Barbecue is leveraging smaller format locations like ghost kitchens and stadium concessions to build the Amazon Prime of barbecue, the current state of restaurant technology, and how restaurant operators can leverage the full potential of social media. This podcast is brought to you by Hungry, a media and research platform dedicated to the intersection of food and technology. For more information, please visit Hungry.tv, that's Hungry with no U, and click subscribe to join the weekly newsletter. Sean, it's great to have you here. Sean of Cali Barbecue and Cali Barbecue Media. Tell me about your background and how you open up this place. It's a, we're going on year... You're 15. 15, wow. So this is the month. April 20th will be 15 years in business. Amazing. Uh, talk to us about your various lines of business, you know, off-prem, catering, and then how you've expanded. Yeah. I'll give uh, give you guys a quick breakdown. So we own a barbecue media company, and most people, that doesn't make any sense. But we build our media like we build our barbecue, and that's low and slow. So 15 years, we've built a business where we have five locations in San Diego, two stadium locations at Snapdragon Stadium, uh, two ghost kitchen locations at Cloud Kitchen locations. Uh, so there's Aztec Food Hub, Barrio Food Hub, and then where we are right now, which is our master smokehouse and media center. This was the original location that we opened up in 2008. And uh, we have a media business. We have four different shows, internet shows, um, wow. podcasts that we host on a weekly basis. And we do consulting and content work for a lot of the top hospitality technology companies that are out there. Amazing. Well, I'm very curious to dive in. Let's start with uh, your vision to be the Amazon Prime of barbecue. <laughs> what What does that mean? That's a very bold statement. Well, if it's cool for me to be sitting here talking to you, I admire your work, all the stuff that you're putting out, all the you know breaking technology and the culture of where we are in 2023 and beyond. How much technology plays a role in businesses, all businesses, but specifically hospitality and restaurants and when I think of how much work we've put in here in Spring Valley, we are not next to the Pacific Ocean. We're not in Gaslamp, San Diego. Yeah. We're not in La Jolla. We are off the beaten path. And because we're off the beaten path, we had to believe in the internet like most restaurants didn't in the last 15 years. Right. And that belief in the internet has put us in a position where we work with the top technology companies on earth, and they're helping us to get more barbecue to more people. The problem with barbecue is that it takes time and it takes expertise. And for us, technology can help solve that problem if we're willing to make the investment in technology so that anybody, no matter where they are in San Diego, 3.3 million people in San Diego, if they want barbecue, our job is to figure out how do we open up micro locations? How do we do things differently? And by doing things differently, instead of opening up another 5,000 square foot, one to $2 million restaurant, we're going to open up smaller locations, yeah. you know, and as we open up those smaller locations, we're going to cook barbecue at the master smokehouse and then deliver them to those smaller locations. Hub and smoke. There you go. So um, what I'm, one, one of the things I'm really curious about is like, okay, 2008, it's a completely different model. And now you've gone to this, you're, you're, you got all these different satellite locations and everything is prepped centrally and distributed, you know, kind of the last mile, so to speak. Yep. 
How does that impact the culinary approach from where you started? It's completely different. You know, to be honest with you, when we first opened, it was a breakfast business. So we were built on breakfast, you know, literally in an American breakfast, omelets, uh, steak and eggs, uh, waffles, you name it, we had it. And that was a 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. business. But we added a full liquor license, a sports bar, and a dinner business. And that menu was all over the place. 15 years later, we are more of an in and out of barbecue where we have just focusing on our core meats, our core sides. How do we make those phenomenal every single day and then deliver them at scale? So how do we get, like I said, more barbecue to more people? Our goal is to do that using all of the third-party deliveries, using toast online ordering, using our cloud kitchen locations, stadium locations, um, hopefully airport locations, military base locations, brewery locations. Um, we're open to anything that helps us uh, get more barbecue to more people in San Diego. So one of the things that really draws me to you is obviously the media, you know, we have a lot in common with the media. Um, talk to me about how you, you know, initially started this and how it's evolved to these four different shows. You have a partnership with Entrepreneurs Magazine, I believe. You also are serving on the advisory board for Toast as one of their premier clients. How'd you start making the, how'd you, how'd you view this investment initially? And then kind of how do you, view the ROI personally and as for the restaurant and kind of how you justifying the ROI there? How are you seeing this pay off in all these different ways? You know, the easiest answer is that no one's coming to tell your story. I thought that if we built an incredible business, if we made great barbecue, if we provided phenomenal hospitality, if we took care of our community, that local media, legacy media, newspapers, magazines, local TV, they would care about our business and they would come, they put us on the news and they put us in the paper and then it would help grow our business so that we can open up more locations. After five years, no one came. And for me, that was kind of a wake up moment saying, well, we have the internet, we have social media, we have web 2.0. Now it's time to start leveraging that and start telling our own story. And as we started telling our own story, we learned branding, we learned marketing, we made a lot of marketing mistakes, but we also realized that the most valuable thing that we can do is publish on the internet. So instead of discriminating, saying, oh, I don't like Yelp, or I don't want to fix my website, we just were willing to be stupid, ask a lot of stupid questions, ask for a lot of help, and claim a business page on Yelp, claim our Google listing claim an Instagram page, claim a Facebook page, start to publish when no one cared, started a podcast in 2017 when no one was listening, started doing a video podcast 50 episodes in. Once we started doing that, we started realizing nobody knows what's going on. Like literally, the more that we started telling our own story, all those companies that were ignoring us, I mean, you just saw that local news was here this morning. San Diego State is going to be playing for the national title today. I've been on the news three times in the last week. Wow. That's all because the news now follows us on social media and they know that we're good on television. So they come to us. So it's, you know, kind of a full circle moment for me, but it, the most important thing is that you have to start somewhere and every single person that's in business has the greatest gift available to them. And that's the internet, right? You just have to have the courage to publish on the internet, right? You have to have the courage to make bad videos, bad podcasts, bad blogs. So you get to the point where you look and you go, oh my God, we have a media company. Now I'm really good at telling the toast story. Yeah. Because we were on Aloha for 13 years. The pandemic hit. We had a problem with 
selling barbecue online. Right. So we made an investment to switch over to Toast. I told Toast, I said, we are a barbecue media company. And they laughed. Like, that doesn't make any <laughs> sense. And I don't blame them for laughing. But I told them, we are going to consistently produce content for all the platforms. We don't care about the logo. I don't care that it's TikTok. I don't care that it's YouTube. I don't care it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We are going to tell stories using audio, video, words, and images on the internet. And because we do that, we're going to let other business owners, other restaurant owners are going to look, why should I switch from Aloha to Toast? Well, now they find our Toast unboxing video yeah, where me and my general manager stood literally right there when we went live with Toast and we unboxed our hardware for our restaurant. You know how many people laughed at me and said, Sean, why are you making a, a Toast unboxing, a technology video for your restaurant? Super valuable, yeah. It's B2B content. Yeah, exactly. People understand, restaurant owners understand what B2C content is. They understand they need to be on social media, some better than others, but they understand that I'm a barbecue restaurant. I should probably show the brisket coming off the smoker yeah. or the process of us making ribs. Yeah. What people don't understand, which I'm really excited about, is teaching other business owners that all of the things that they purchase, whether it's the alcohol that goes in the bar, whether it's the technology you bring into your restaurant, whether it's the tables that you pick or the ovens that you use, every single company needs social media. Yeah. Every single company needs internet storytelling. And who better to tell the story than the business owner that's made a conscious decision to say, I'm picking this refrigerator over this refrigerator. I'm picking this point of sale technology over this point of sale. This is why I'm doing it. Right. So it started uh, as, well, we need to get people in the door. And then it evolved to B2B. Yes. So talk to us a little bit about these four different shows you have, who the audiences are. And yeah, like those kind of, how do you segment the audiences that you talk to? Because it seems like this has paid off to the point where people are coming in from all over the country to San Diego and they're seeking you out. It's amazing. And then you have technology companies like Toast that are saying, hey, like you should be our spokesperson. So those are two very different stories. How, how do your different media properties, the different shows tailor the, to those different audiences? So the first show started, our digital hospitality shows and our, our original show, it started, it was called Behind the Smoke in 2017. And it was me and Derek Marceau, who owns Valley Farm Market, which is a local butcher shop and grocery store, specialty grocery store. And we built a studio above his butcher shop, literally above the butcher shop. And we hosted other business owners, whether they owned a barbecue restaurant or a grocery store or a butcher shop. When that show evolved, we started realizing that it was much more, much less about barbecue and much more about business, uh, much more about marketing, much more about branding, much more about technology. That show put me in a position where I made partnerships and those partnerships were with Yelp. Um, they were with Toast and it got me to the opportunity where I had an opportunity to approach Entrepreneur with a show specifically about storytelling. Restaurant Influencers is the show that we host on Entrepreneur. The first year we reached over 12 million people across the video, across the audio, across the article reads. And for us, it gave us the opportunity to tell stories of people that were playing the game within the game, understanding that it's one thing to say you believe in the internet. It's a completely another thing to actually produce content for the internet and to improve the craft of storytelling. So whether you're a restaurant owner that has a very strong YouTube platform, like Sam, the cooking guy, Sam, the cooking guy has over 3 million YouTube subscribers. He opened up his restaurants, not, not tacos grazed by Sam. He opened up restaurants after having a huge online influence. Now, because he has that strong online influence, 
he can go on his channels and promote his restaurants. He's literally playing the game within the game. I mean, any restaurant owner on earth would love to have 3 million YouTube subscribers. Absolutely. Now, I understand that's not an attainable goal for most people, but what is attainable is no matter where your restaurant is on earth, you can start a YouTube channel and you can start to weekly produce content and publish content on YouTube about what's happening in your local community. And if you start to do that, which is hard to do, but if you start to do that, you start to impact other business owners who are curious about the internet, who are curious about what you're doing. That long-term play will lead to opportunities where, you know, we were one of 20 restaurants that got invited to go to Toast IPO. When Toast IPO'd in, in 2021, they had, I don't know the exact number, tens of thousands, yeah. 20,000, 30,000 restaurants when they IPO'd. We were one of 20 to be on Wall Street, me and Eric, my general manager. You know, the same guys that did this Toast unboxing video. Yeah. And now I'm sitting on the Toast Customer Advisory Board. They're the title sponsor of our show with Entrepreneur Magazine. Right. Um, it's put us in a position to tell more stories, to impact more business owners, because it's not just the restaurant owners. We believe our digital hospitality thesis is that every business has to be digital first, especially brick and mortar businesses. Yeah. But more importantly, every business needs to be in the hospitality business. So just because you're an online business, doesn't mean you're hospitable omni-channel. If somebody writes a review on Yelp, do you respond immediately? Not three days later, but immediately with yeah. context. If somebody goes to your website and asks for a catering, is it easy to make that? You know, number one, is it easy to order something from you? Is it easy to answer a question? Like how well do you make that experience? If you make that experience memorable, now you're in the business that Amazon's in. You're in the business that Starbucks and, you know, I talk about the Starbucks app all the time. I don't even want free coffee. They've put me on a subscription for coffee only because it's more convenient to use the app, to order ahead after I drop my kids off for daycare, to go have my coffee waiting for me. And then all of a sudden, hey, Sean, here you have a free coffee, but will you, uh, you know, reload your gift card? Now I've reloaded a gift card where I'm literally on a Starbucks subscription. The reason why I care about that stuff is how do I, be, how do I get a barbecue subscription? You know, how do I work with Toast to say, hey, Toast, can you build, build, not for me, but for the entire industry, some app that literally gamifies the process. Right. So people want to load barbecue dollars ahead of time. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they're listening to you very close. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty loud. I'm not sad. <laughs> um, and then maybe you can talk a little bit about how this has impacted you from the customer side. Like, I mean, like you, you start with the B2B and then you started did, I mean, like you had to create a separate amount of show or different yep. kind of content to get people to say, oh, this barbecue looks amazing. This brisket looks like, you know, mouthwatering. Like, how do you view that side of the biz? You know, the cool thing, the cool thing for me is we say a rising tide lifts all ships. And for me, it's always been, how do we promote local barbecue in San Diego? We are on the West coast. So anybody that's listening to this, that's from Texas or from Kansas city or from Memphis or for them, the Carolinas, like. When I say Cali barbecue, they laugh. Yeah, right. You guys don't know how to do barbecue. Like we know how to do barbecue. Right. Well, we learned the craft of barbecue and it didn't happen overnight. It's taken us 15 years to build our barbecue business. But for me, publishing on the internet has allowed me to make connections with some of the best pit masters, some of the best hospitality professionals, wow. some of the best influencers all over the globe. That's why I know that the internet connects us. I can confidently sit here, talk to you in 2023, knowing that somebody in Sydney, Australia could listen to this 
and could go, I've been waiting for my chance to improve my business. Yeah. I've been waiting to make an investment in technology, an investment in storytelling. This podcast right here, right now is when I'm going to make the commitment to go, the internet's not going anywhere. If I want to stay in business, if I want to build a sustainable, more profitable business into the future, I need to start telling my own story. Very cool. And then as then customers, you know, as you improve your craft, customers do that virtue of connecting to other pit masters across the, the country, people you just started sharing. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we've gotten really good at what we call smartphone storytelling. Mm. Every single person that's listening has a smartphone and internet connected to them at all times of the day. It's whether you're willing to make a lot of bad videos and publish those bad videos and then get over yourself and realize no one cares. We think that everyone cares. We think that everyone's going to make fun. Of and there will be some people that will make fun of you because people make, <laughs> people still make fun of me to this day. But I have friends, very successful friends that are in very successful businesses yeah. that now reach out to me to ask me, how do I launch a show? How do I wow. turn my business into a media company? And that's when I know that we're on to something. We're on to something because it doesn't matter what business you're in. Email matters. Text message marketing matters. Facebook matters. Instagram matters. TikTok matters. YouTube matters. Podcasts matter. All of these things that we use on a daily basis, they matter. So if your business isn't showing up on those platforms, there's a problem. Somebody else will show up. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a great segue to, I guess what I would say is like defining the modern skill set of a, a skill set of a modern restaurateur, right? What are the table stakes that every restaurateur in 2023, you've been at this for 15 years. What is the table stakes of, of skill set that they need to be you know, they need to have to be successful in building a fully omni-channel business. And what are these various areas of their business that they need to oversee? The hardest lesson that I've learned in the last 15 years was something my grandfather taught me, and that's to ask for help. Entrepreneurs, restaurant owners, we are so good at solving problems. We are so good at building a business. We are so good at putting out fires. We are not good at being vulnerable and asking another restaurant leader for help. That's why I love seeing digital communities get built. That's why I love podcasting. That's why I love hosting clubhouse calls is that right. because when you create a safe space where a food truck operator, a multi-unit, you know, operator in Ireland, who I have a friend, Andrew, who started joining our clubhouse calls and he's literally built the Chipotle of uh, Mexican food in Ireland, 20 units. He's opening up a cluster truck in Arizona. But he joins these calls with a depth of knowledge, a depth of perspective, where somebody that owns a food truck, somebody that owns barbecue restaurants, and somebody that owns a fast casual Mexican chain in Ireland, where we can all say, what do you use for payroll? Hey, how do you do inventory? What do you use for banking? How did you find your investors? All of these things, all of these ideas, it goes back to, are you willing to ask for help? Right. And if you're willing to ask for help, who do you ask for help? Cause you got to find the right community, right? Yeah. You know, when I go toast is working really hard at building an online community of all of their users so that it's an easy platform so that somebody goes, Hey, Sean, you're using order and pay. I have a full service restaurant. I'm thinking about getting rid of my servers and adding QR codes to the table. Yeah. What's your experience been like? Right. How easy is it to ask that question? 
the easier that we make it to ask that question and the more valuable the answer, the more you go back. Absolutely. Which is what you're doing. You're building a community of readers that want you to tell them what's the next greatest thing. How does this integrate with that? Where do you see this going? Now you've built this collective community where people can go, this is, a, this is where I want to spend my time because every time I spend time here, my business gets better. Absolutely. That, that's certainly the, I mean, if you had, if you see certain things out there that restaurateurs, certain traps that they in, in, inevitably fall into, one of them I see is like, and I think I may have seen this on your LinkedIn during the holidays, but it's like table stakes, just update your holiday hours, <laughs> right? It's Thanksgiving day. Nobody wants to be, you know, eating. Yes at home because the kitchen's busy. Whoever's preparing the meal is busy. But like, you never know who's open because you got a call and they're not gonna answer the phone. But like, what are some of these things? They drive me absolutely off the wall. But like, what do you think is table stakes for, you know, any any operator to, to, to be looking at if they just have to scratch the surface? The number one thing, the most important thing, as much as I talk about social media and all the different platforms, it, it's your website. Your website is the most important thing. It has to be a mobile first website. It cannot be confusing. It has to be easy so that your team can go in and update it. I mean, just for example, this morning, I sent out a text to let Stover and Kyle know, who take care of our website, please put a banner top of the fold so people know that there's an Aztecs watch party. Yeah. We're playing today in the Nashville championship game. We are hosting a watch party so that when somebody that's a fan comes to our website, they go, this is a place that I want to go to. Exactly. As opposed to going to a different place where you go, are they showing the game? Right. Is the sound going to be on? Are you open for the game? <laughs> are you going to kick me out early because you close at 8 p.m.? No, we're going to be open for the entire game, for the championship parade afterwards. But back to your point, if you can't communicate that quickly and effectively across all of the channels, you're going to lose. You're going to lose to the new brand that understands, hey, I'm going to use Marquee, which is a company that we use, M-A-R- QII that helps us with 82 different listings, 82 different listings from a Tesla map to an Apple map, to TripAdvisor, to Google, all of those places, I can go to one platform and say, Hey, we're open on Thanksgiving from 12 PM to 4 PM. No dine-in takeout only. I mean, if there's anything that we've learned during the pandemic, it's that by being a digital first restaurant, we've been able to on Super Bowl Sunday, not we are a sports bar. We're not even open to watch the game. Is that crazy? We're literally 15 years into business. We don't even open and we do more sales by not opening up our dine-in so that we can get more barbecue out of our kitchens, using pre-sale orders, using our ghost kitchen orders, literally doing more sales volume than we've ever done. When, when we used to promote, you know, come in and get half off your wing, wing basket. Right. The Super Bowl is something that people watch at home. Of course but they still mm -hmm. want food and they don't want to cook the food at home. Right. So make it easy for them to buy barbecue online. They bar buy barbecue online. We get more barbecue orders out. We make more money. I mean, these things sound like so obvious talking to you right now, being, having the success that you've had. It's obvious, but you have to have the courage to close your core business. Right. Our core business was built on sports entertainment. Right. To close during Super Bowls like doesn't even make any sense how could you do that we have a full bar right there <laughs> we have all these tvs how could you close 
Well, the pandemic accelerated our beliefs. People say they pivoted during the pandemic. We didn't pivot. We went all in on the internet. Right. We believe in the internet more than we believe in anything else. Yeah. Everyone has it. Everyone walks around with it. And the fact that I have conversations every single day, I'm fortunate to go and do keynote presentations all across the United States, even in Canada. And I talk to business owners and business leaders and they nod their head in the crowd. Like, I believe you, Sean. Yes, the internet matters. Yes, social media matters. But then when you go to their website, it doesn't matter. When you go to their social media account, they haven't posted anything. Right. Like your actions have to back up. Absolutely. Your belief. And if not, there's never been a greater time to ask for help. Right. There's so many incredible people, no matter what, go on LinkedIn, like go on LinkedIn and start to follow people like you start to follow people like Carl Orsborn or Meredith Sandland who wrote delivering the digital restaurant. Yeah. Ask them a question about third party delivery. Ask them a question about Uber Eats. Ask them a question about website. If they don't know the answer, they'll tell you, go talk to this person, right, exactly. go talk to this company. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of operators are always putting out fires and they're just trying to surface for air a yep. lot of the time. So do it going through and doing an audit where they're going to, you know, let me see how I appear on search and let me go down this rabbit hole of this for this particular use case. And let me literally storyboard all these different use cases, right? The, that is such a foreign idea to them. It's a great point and something I, I really haven't thought about a lot. But when we first opened up the restaurant, I wasn't here every single day. I actually was working for my grandfather primarily at the time, but I was in charge of the internet. I was in charge of marketing and I was in charge of figuring out how not to fail. And how not to fail was me going in and saying, why is our Yelp profile not up to date? Why is our Google listing not up to date? How do I add a photo? How do I update our hours? How do I do all of these things that I knew were important because right. maybe it was one extra customer that came in from TripAdvisor, right. maybe one extra customer, like whatever it was, it was like, I'm going to do whatever we can to figure this thing out so that we don't go out of business. And because of that, now I will find tools that will help us be more efficient exactly. to solve these problems. But until you feel it as a customer, yeah, you know, I'll give you a great example. My son just started playing Little League. Here in San Diego, we're in a very popular hotbed for Little League. Mm -hmm. I never played baseball growing up. My wife obviously never played baseball. This is my son's first time playing baseball. They do not have a supply problem. They have so many kids that they have a wait list to play baseball. Mm -hmm. Yet their website was built probably 20 years ago. The information on it is not mobile first. It is not friendly. It does not tell me as a new dad, what is the equipment I need to buy? What are the key dates that I need to enroll? The affiliate links to the Amazon. affiliate <laughs> links to Amazon. None of it makes any sense. No. But because they have a successful business, they haven't gone through the process of what it's like for anyone new coming into this organization. Because for me, once they ask me for money, because we're a sports bar and we support a lot of local youth sports, they're going to ask me to raise money for the local. The first thing I'm going to tell them is if, if I raise any money for you, I'm fixing your website because this is unacceptable. Yeah. It's unacceptable in 2023 to have a shitty website. Yeah. Like it shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't be pleasurable. Yeah. I shouldn't be excited to go tell other friends like, Hey, how great this experience was. I tell a story all the time about renewing my driver's license at the DMV department of motor vehicles. I, I made an appointment online, Department of Motor Vehicles, to go renew my license. 
Yeah. And I was like, okay, great. It's at 8 a.m. on a Tuesday. I drive up 8 a.m. on a Tuesday. So <laughs> 80 people are in line and I go to the woman and I say, I have a reservation. She goes, oh, this is your line. No line. Different door. No line. Yeah. I walk right into the Department of Motor Vehicles. I'd take an eye exam. I'm out. I've renewed my license in 13 minutes. If the Department of Motor Vehicles can figure out digital hospitality, there is no excuses <laughs> on earth for any business, right? any business, to make it difficult on the customer. Right. And in turn, on themselves. I mean, Correct. that makes it a lot easier for them. The more you have pre-scheduled catering orders and you're able to prep for all these Correct. things. The less food waste you have, the less chaos. It's the most it is profitable side of our business is pre-orders. Yeah. yeah, amazing. You've been doing this for 15 years. You've seen a lot of macro shifts, right? I mean, this was you're starting right around the time of the last recession. Yes, and you made it through COVID. I guess let's break. Like, tell us some of the most pivotal technology decisions that have helped you navigate these various headwinds or various challenges or you've seen dealt with various shortages like how ha has technology made it easier on your business or so june 29th 2007 do you know what happened on that date june 29th i'm not going to guess the iPhone, that, that device ah yes that device was released to the world that's the iphone and i bring that date up a lot when i'm giving a keynote when i'm talking on stage or i'm talking to other business owners because it changed everything Right. I didn't even believe in the iPhone. I made fun of a local business owner who was a former charger. He told me he was going to go wait in line for four hours to get the iPhone. I was like, that's ridiculous. Why would you do? How could you care that much about some new piece of technology? Right. And yet here I am now 15 years later and I talk about smartphone storytelling every single day. Right. Because that is the tool that allows me to build a business, a barbecue media company where Literally, I will go this this year for one month to a village in Bulgaria where my wife is from, the other side of the earth, and I will be able to podcast from there. I will be able to meet with my team over Zoom. I will be able to check my emails. I will be able to post on all the social media accounts. I will be able to host clubhouse rooms, all because of the internet. Right. All because of that vital piece of technology that we all take for granted, myself included. I take for granted the amount and capabilities. I have 70,000 photos on my phone. I have 18,000 videos. And those aren't the ones that I've published on Instagram or published on YouTube or published on TikTok. Like this is just content that I've taken because I take content every single day. Wow. I take content, I document instead of creating. You know, people think like, oh, I don't know how to start with social media. I need to create, you know, some media team. You're here with this incredible technology, you're going to host an internet show yeah. that's going to go out to all the most important leaders in the hospitality technology space, Yeah, all because you've had the courage to do what 99.999% of the rest of the world won't do. Right. Let's have the courage to publish your, your voice online. Yeah. When you first started, were you confident in what you were saying? I mean, definitely not. And I'm definitely not co confident doing a lot of the TikTok and Instagram stuff that we talked about. Like, I still feel like we're getting, we're figuring that out. Yeah. We're all figuring that. And anyone that tells you they've figured it out is full of shit. Exactly. I don't care if you're a TikToker with 3 million subscribers, you're still figuring it out. They might take TikTok away from us tomorrow. That's very possible. It's very possible, which is why you don't rely on one platform. You rely on yourself and your ability to stay curious, 
to get involved and to ask for help. My grandfather taught me these three things. These are the three things I talk about on all of our shows. Stay curious. If you don't surround yourself with curious people that are willing to learn, willing to level up, willing to ask questions, you'll be in the same place that you've always been. But then you actually have to do something. You know, we go, it's funny, when I was growing up, I remember my grandfather would always tell me, Sean, do you sit in the front of the class? Like, no, I don't sit. I want to be one of the cool kids in the back of the class. But he was telling me something at a very early age, like the people that sit in front, the people that raise their hand, yeah. the people that ask for help from the teacher, the people that are in sports that do the same thing, that come to practice early, mm -hmm. that ask questions, that get involved, those are always the ones that somehow seem to separate themselves from the pack. Right. And then finally, the ones that are willing to ask for help. Yeah. Having the courage to know, I don't have all the answers. Like we believe in ghost kitchens. Yeah. But I don't think right now the sales aren't where I need them to be. You know, we've made a huge bet on building out two different locations, but that doesn't mean that that's what it's going to look like in five years. It's proven to me one thing that we can operate in 200 square feet. Right. Well, what does that hybrid model look like? Well, it might look something different in 2024, yeah. 2025. But I'll tell you when we first opened in 2008, this was a breakfast place yeah. <laughs> that added a dinner. Because the last thing I thought is I'd be sitting here 15 years later with you on an internet show that's going to go out to, like I said, the most impressive people that follow your content, leaders in the space. I wouldn't have thought that 15 years yeah. ago. But what I do know is that we all need to have the courage to not underestimate the power of the internet. On that topic of ghost kitchens, let's talk about the current state of, of technology. I guess, how do you view the current set of, if I'm an operator, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, there's a tech stack, what is that? And then there's something for every little thing. There's a loyalty company that I got it to, an integration with this company and this company and something for email marketing automation or something for my website or the white label ordering. There's all these little things, these disparate point solutions. What do you think, you know, so how do you define the broader landscape? And then where do you think techno where do you think this is all heading? And and what do you think a lot of these companies are getting wrong having tested a lot of them? What what do you think are some of the biggest challenges? I think the most important thing is the humans. Humans are the heart of technology. So if you aren't aligning yourself with brands that make investments, not just from the founder level and you know, top executive levels, but all the way down to the support levels and to the sales levels. Those are the people that are the most impressive to me. I mean, the reason why, if you go to our website and see our tech stack, which we've published, um, we've published our tech stack because these are the companies that I believe in. I believe in them because the founders are willing to make difficult calls. They're willing to ask for help. They're willing to continue to develop. And for us, Thinking of, you know, my, our story with Toast, our story with Toast, like I said, we were just another account for them until I told them we are storytellers and we're going to tell the story of how great Toast is or how bad it is, you know, because if it's a bad experience, I'm going to be vocal about it because I'm going out telling other restaurant owners all over earth, hey, Toast is the best technology company that you can have. And now that comes back on me. So they're going to look at Sean saying, hey, Sean, you told me to switch to Toast. I'm having a bad experience with Toast, which hasn't happened. But if it does happen, 
I need to know that there's somebody in the Toast organization, and I do know that. You know, sitting on the customer advisory board, I can't tell you how impressed I am that twice a year I'm going out to Boston to headquarters to sit there with people that are way more successful than me in restaurants and are way more talented in technology. And I get to sit there and listen to the issues that they have in different parts of the country and different concepts. Right. And I get to look at the leadership and watch how they respond. Watch how they respond and then come back the next quarter and go, oh my God, they actually did the work that they said they were going to do. Yeah. How refreshing is that? <laughs> Very refreshing. And then once you start to look at, well, what are the integrations, right? So for us, Toast is our primary technology partner. Well, who integrates? I mean, that's really the number one question that I have. And it's very hard. As new technologies get developed, Toast can't do it all, nor do they want to do it all. Right. But then they need to have, you know, if you're a startup tech company, which I talk to startup tech founders all the time, they ask me, you know, what do you think of this technology? Do you think it's helpful to restaurants? How do I tell the story better? Well, they need to have enough of a use case study before they can even pitch Toast, right? Who needs a use case story? The new tech founder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they want yeah, to They need a success story. Yeah. They need a success story. Yeah, exactly. order, and, and, they, and they need to have enough users for Toast to go, this is something that's valuable to the entire Toast ecosystem. Yeah. So for me, it's just, it, it's a very exciting time because this, it's the Wild West. Yeah. I mean, 2023, we feel like we've had the internet forever. We haven't. Yeah. You know, and think about how much the rate of change has happened. I mean, how much are we talking about ChatGPT? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, it's going to eat your barbecue restaurant alive. Pretty much, right? Real quickly, could you talk about your tech stack? Like, what are the different layers and maybe talk about some of the companies that you're using? Sure. Yeah. So we use Toast as our primary technology partner. We use them for online ordering. We use them everything for in, in, in house. We use them for marketing, email marketing, but we also use companies like Ovation. Ovation is a text response. Right. To, Two-question survey text response. We use Marquee, which I mentioned before, right, um, to help us with management. We use Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts has absolutely Scheduled. been incredible for scheduling. Uh, we're in the process of onboarding to Restaurant 365 for our finances and payroll and AP. Uh, really excited to work with the Restaurant 365 team. There's so much technology that we use. We use Atmosphere TV. Atmosphere, uh, they help us with content, so not just the sports that are playing on the TV, but uh, allows us to play... Uh, stuff like Chive TV, things for the kids, as well as run our own ads. Yeah. What else do we use? We use Davo for sales tax automation. So something most business owners don't want to think about as uh, paying your sales tax. Davo literally sets up a separate escrow account, pulls sales tax out every single day, files the sales tax so you don't have to worry about it. Um, that's been an incredible technology. Uh, we just started with ClearCogs for inventory management. Claire Cogs does a great job with uh, helping us understand how many briskets have we sold in the last <laughs> last 15 years. Well, actually, since we've launched with Toast, so we haven't been able to go back into the historical data of, of Aloha, but at least since we've been with Toast, uh, which is very valuable to help us um, with predictive uh, prep lists. Yeah. And then we use Five Out. Five Out's a great forecasting tool. So Five Out integrates with Seven Shifts, our scheduling, as well as with Toast. Um, it helps us with uh, AI and machine learning based off of, you know, the weather and sporting events and, you know, you name it, it pulls in all these different data points to help us uh, figure out what are our sales going to be. That's a lot of 
that's a lot. And that's just like scratching the surface because once you talk about like the social media tools, we use Slack, we use Zoom. Right. Um, You're on yeah. another level. And someone <laughs> who's listening to this who's an operator, which I'm hoping operators listening to, that's yes. the goal. Is going to think what, how, this is, this is it's scary. Too much. It's scary. So like, how do you view, you know, a lot of it to me, what I've observed over the last, since I've been doing this is that a lot of it just feels like these spaghetti kind of integration, you know, yeah. like very loose and hard to deal with. How do you view, view this idea of integrated commerce? This is the futures of, you know, companies like Toast on the, on the SMB side, um, or companies like Par on the enterprise side, they're trying to sell this idea that there are these hubs where all these companies that you just listed can come together and share that common language. Do you, do you feel like that we're there yet? Or do you think no, we still, <laughs> we're definitely not there. I mean, the, the problem is, is that the internet's still young, you know, it's just still young. And there's so many things that we do in brick and mortar businesses that haven't been implemented digitally. Right. You know, when you think of, I was telling you about the smokers. I mean, we have then I don't even know the name of the company, but you know, we've set up a, a system that allows my GM, Eric, to get notified on his, on his iPhone of when a smoker's not 225 degrees in the middle of the night. Wow. You know, we have four different smokers and we have a keg room and we have refrigerators, but like, you know, the internet of things, understanding yeah, it's like, a whole huge opportunity. all of those things matter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, waste management matters. Right. Like, you know, how, how many, how many different ways can we figure out how to, you know, not over pour beer? Right. You know, there's technologies out there and we're just still so early on to understand totally. what this is. You know, we use it that we just were onboarding with the Dentro. Dentro is helping us with Wi-Fi, understanding, mm -hmm. you know, people that are coming into our restaurants and how oh, do we, wow. how do we retarget the people that have come into our restaurants? Right. That's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. No, um, we're just scratching. I told you Flock TV. Flock TV is another yeah. you know, technology that we're bringing in so that all the social content right. that we make for Instagram and for TikTok, all those videos, yeah. when people walk into the business, they'll actually see that content. Amazing. So let's talk about loyalty for a second. You know, you, you mentioned retargeting people. Yep. I think now that people have settled into this new world of online ordering, now it's like, okay, how do we tie it all together and how do we build a picture of a customer and how do we understand what their long-term value is and lifetime value is and what we can spend to acquire them as if it was an online business, right? And you think about tracking them across all these different channels. How do you, what's your kind of first principles approach to loyalty and then how do you actually make it happen technologically? So the, the first principle approach to loyalty is when the whole idea of hospitality is making a stranger a friend, mm -hmm. making somebody that you've never met right. feel welcome and making a memorable moment. And once you make that memorable moment, why do they choose to come back to you? They choose to come back to you for lots of different reasons, but the most important reason is that they feel seen and heard and understood. You know, back to the Starbucks example, I'm loyal to Starbucks, not because it's the best coffee in the world or I don't want to support local coffee. I'm loyal to them because they make it easy on my life. Absolutely. It's easy for me to drop my kids off at kindergarten and daycare, pick up my coffee and then get back to my studio so I can That's do what I enough. do. Like they've saved me time. Yeah. Um, I'm loyal to that idea. And for me, I think Toast has a great opportunity to dive deeper into the data. 
of what do we already have for existing customers. I mean, this kind of information I never had with Aloha on the level of this customer, Bob comes in, right. you know, the third Thursday of every month and orders a tailgater for his family and always adds a peach cobbler and he gets a two liter of Pepsi. Right. Well, if he gets a two liter of Pepsi, what if the next time that he comes in on the third Thursday, my hostess says, Hey, Bob, welcome. We know you love that, that, uh, two liter of Pepsi. How about you? Uh, here's a free two liter of Pepsi on right. us. How did you know that? Well, we knew it because of the data. You toast know, gives that to you. Toast gives that to us. Got but it. How do you get it into a, into a way that's easier to read? Yeah. You know, so these are the things that I'm, I'm really excited about mm -hmm. is like, how do you have that prompt come up on a terminal? Yeah. How do you have that prompt so that somebody feels like they, right. they know you? You know, I mean, DoorDash does it. Uber Eats does it. Right. Hey, Sean, you've ordered this. Would you like that? Amazon does it. They're tech companies. They're tech companies <laughs> with a lot of money, you know, like, and those are the biggest tech companies. But once that gets down to the restaurant level, yeah. I think it's going to get really exciting. Totally. You know, because loyalty is, it is very important and it's very important. We spend so much time trying to get a new customer in yeah. as opposed to taking care of the ones that have already come in the doors. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about ghost kitchens. It's you, I didn't realize you had two ghost kitchens. Plus you have these other stadium kind of concessions. Um, that I wouldn't call ghost kitchens because they have a yeah, customer those are, facing. Correct. They're, those are full freestanding um, yeah. businesses. So ghost kitchens, that's how kind of I started my whole career doing this is I saw ghost kitchens in 2018, 2019, put out this documentary about it, but no one knew what Travis was doing. Yep. And I said, holy crap, this is going to change the way that people eat. Yes. Uh, the way that the, it's going to redefine the modern restaurant. And it's being built for a world that we, I can kind of peek ahead and see, but I didn't see it until I really had to, I had to seek it out. I saw it happening in India. You saw big QSRs in India. Like, I think it was KFCs and, you know, not to say, um, JD at Rebel Foods was very early to this, pivoted his whole Indian restaurant. It was actually backed by Sequoia. <laughs> so it wasn't a normal Indian restaurant into the ghost kitchen model. Made a lot of sense there because of the rent. Anyway, I could ramble on and on and on. You've lived it. You've been there. Talk to, I mean, this has become a big thing that, com that comes up on earnings calls. It's a big thing that people are looking th at this during the pandemic as this is the future of restaurants. Where are we at right now with the reality of this? How is it playing into this Amazon Prime of barbecue-like vision that you have? Do you think it's going to be part of that? Or could you get by doing delivery just out of this brick and mortar? Do you have the capacity to just close those and do it out of here? It's a great question. I think we are currently, that's why I'm excited, is that we're actually not just theorizing whether it's going to work or not. We actually have ghost kitchens up right. and operating. So we have hard data to understand, um, how hard it is, yeah. um, what the benefits are to it yeah. and you know, where we see it going. It's something that we've always maintained is that we never liked the term ghost kitchen. Um, totally. no one likes a scary Ter ghost. It's a terrible. It's brand. just terrible branding. It's yeah. terrible branding. Bad for the industry. Yeah. It's very bad for the industry. <laughs> we can call them cloud kitchen. That's yes, nice. Cloud thing. kitchens is much better. Um, <laughs> friendly ghost kitchen, but we always have thought that the benefit of any kind of food is the story mm -hmm. and the story of barbecue doesn't play well. If it's just coming 
out of the sky. Right. You know, Subway tried to roll out barbecue brisket sandwiches. This was a couple of years ago. And barbecue aficionados started asking corporate Subway on social media, uh-huh. hey, where are your smokers? No smokers at Subway. No. And they started to try to play it off as Ramon, pitmaster Ramon. Well, that didn't end well for them. It was a PR nightmare for Subway. So they, you can't get a brisket sandwich, to my knowledge, anymore at Subway. That makes sense. But back to your question about ghost kitchens is, you know, I'm fortunate that I got to sit down face-to-face with Travis um, and have him ask me questions about our Amazon a barbecue model, where we think it's going, why we're partners with Cloud Kitchens. And I told him, um, just like I'm telling you and telling the audience, that I truly believe that the way for them to succeed is to have a symbiotic partnership. Mm-hmm. There cannot be this is the business, this is the brand. It has to be, we are a rising tide lifting together. That rising tide is the marketing from all of the kitchens together. So all 20 kitchens using social media together to promote each other, not just my single brand. Right. The actual landlord themselves, the Cloud Kitchen or Kitchen United or Maker Kitchen, whichever kitchen it is, all of them understanding that we are all stronger together when we tell each other's story and we collaborate on a daily basis. When we do that, then the entire community doesn't just drive by a, a, a tire shop and not know that there's tires inside. Yeah. What they do know is that this is a place for phenomenal craft food. Back to what our motto is, slow food fast. People want great food. Yeah. Fast food is not something, you know, people are getting a lot more health conscious and understanding, I want to know that the food's made really well. Well, how do you know that the food's made really well if you can't show me? Don't tell me that you made great barbecue. Show me. When I pull brisket off the smoker, you go, wow. Like, that, that's me showing you that, hey, overnight we've been smoking this brisket at 225 degrees and look at it. Here it is. It's ready to eat. That's a powerful thing. And the only way for, in my view, ghost kitchens to succeed into the future is to right. have a much bigger emphasis on the storytelling. What are you doing in the community that we're not just, you know, opening up a facility with a delivery window? Well, let's take care of the drivers. You know, there's a real problem there. There's a great guy, Harry Campbell, who has yeah. the rideshare guy. He's I've, been on his, I've been on his really. podcast. He's done. Yeah. He's phenomenal. Love Harry. But the focus is on the drivers. You know, these aren't third class citizens. These are people that are brand ambassadors. When we have an Uber driver, a DoorDash driver that comes to Cali, our job is to make them feel welcome. Right. They're not a nuisance to us because they're not no, a they're dining a customer. customer. 100%. They're the one that's bringing the barbecue to someone's house. Right. Like, shouldn't we take care of them and make them feel excited to come to Cali barbecue? Because I guarantee you they go to a bunch of other restaurants that treat them like shit. Right. That's not a good look. Absolutely. Now, you're making me think about like a food hall. If you're in a food hall... You're going to sign an expensive lease at a food hall. Yes. Why? Because people, there's foot traffic that come into the food hall. That's the sale. That's the sales bit. But, but they haven't turned on the food hall because all these guys are operating in stealth mode. They want to blitz scale really fast. And then they want to tell the world, hey, did you know that we had 50 restaurants or 100 brands? Yes. If you add up all the virtual brands under this one roof, but they're trying to do it all sneakily or they're doing it from kitchen trailers where if you actually visited that shit, you'd yeah. be like, hell no, I'm not going there. <laughs> or they're doing it out of some other place. And that's my point is that there is a great story to tell, just you can't do it in stealth mode. Right. 
but you have the luxury of having this experience center, I would say, right? And this gets into like kind of the future of where dining is potentially heading, which is you create an experience center, but then you have other means by which people can experience you, but they know where they can actually go and get the full experience, yes. right? So it's not so opaque. Correct. It's more transparent because I can order from Cloud Kitchens. I might not even need to go and visit that. I just know, oh, Cali Barbecue on Correct. you know Troy Street. I know that place. I've been there before. Oh, now I can get it a little bit closer. Do you think that that is where this is heading? I, absolutely. I mean, I, I bring everything always back to the village. And the reason I bring it back to the village is that we are humans at heart. And a village, no matter where you are, the biggest cities in the world, we all are creatures of habit. You know, when I go back to Bulgaria and I spend time in the village, I think of the same things that happen here in Spring Valley at our restaurant. They happen over in the village. They happen in New York City. They happen in Hong Kong. They happen everywhere. And that's these creatures of habit. It's we all want to support something that we know, that we're familiar with, that we're loyal to. Mm. When you find a grandmother, Baba Rosa, in the village, and she makes incredible bread, and that is where your family gets bread once a week, because that is the bread that you guys break bread, literally break bread at the table. Yeah. You're going to support Baba Rosa, whether or not you know that she has a bakery behind her or not. Mm. Right? Absolutely. If she has a 5,000 square foot bakery, great. But you are associating the fact that I'm going to go and support Baba Rosa. That Baba Rosa, that's the friendly ghost. You know, that is understanding that experience comes from that connection that loyalty to the story. If you don't have the loyalty to the story and you just say, oh, it's a logo of a fictional Baba Rosa, that maybe this was made, you know, over six countries over and then shipped over here, frozen and then unfrozen, you're not going to be that excited to go and bring that to your family dinner. No. But you will be excited if you know the story of Baba Rosa or if you saw it on Instagram or you saw it on TikTok and maybe it wasn't her, but it's somebody that she trained. This is the recipe that she uses. Right. Interesting. So can it be done using this new infrastructure? Can we build, can we create that emotion? Yes. Just purely online or do you need an experience center? I think it's both. I think it, to be honest with you, the more that we're operating in ghost kitchens, there has to be some elements of understanding, you know, the issue that we have now is that unless you're online, you don't know that Cali barbecue is in our two locations. There is signage, but it's not very well done. The two locations the at two the stadium? locations. No, the two locations at the cloud kitchen locations. So how do you make that more of a food hall experience? Right. Where if you, you know, I'm not saying allocate hundreds of square feet, but right. is there a place? Is there a table? Is there, you know, actually Barrio Food Hub has done a really good job of creating kind of like a, a picnic area. Right. That picnic area is more of an experiential center where you realize like I can go there and I can get a burger or I can get barbecue or right. I can get sushi. Like that's the idea Absolutely. that I think needs to be, we need to lean into that idea more. What I've heard is that that hasn't happened is because coordinating a basket, let's just say for a delivery order, where someone ordered yes. from Cali Barbecue and then they ordered from some salad vendor or maybe they tacked on some sushi. Getting enough data inside the kitchen to understand what like the back, how, how backed up each of those kitchens Correct. are and when to fire all these different things 
come, you know, cluster track, which you mentioned, cluster track, they've, amazing. they've built that yeah. on all that technology, but they're one operator Correct. under one roof. Correct. Cloud kitchens, you got 30, sometimes maybe 40 kitchens under one roof. If you let the consumer order from all those different brands and you want it all bagged up, that's great for your average order of values. It's great for batching. Yep. It's very efficient. Yep. We're still very early in the digitization of understanding the temperatures and the, you know, the, and just understanding everything that's going on inside the kitchen to yes. make that reality possible. Yeah. This has been really a fascinating conversation. Really always love getting your perspective. What, you know, as we kind of come towards the end, I'd love to talk about where do you see the future of just dining in general going, just given the rising cost of labor, given the rising cost of food, and given where we are with off-prem continuing to skyrocket, and no one thinks this is going to stop. We have all these different sectors of our industry, right? We have QSR, casual dining, corporate casual dining, and we have your mom and pop, you know, neighborhood trattoria, bistro, you have your fine dining, you have your pure ghost kitchens, and whatever is to come. What, what do you think these secular trends, um, whether they're macroeconomic or technological, where is this pushing the industry as far as how, how it's segmented? And where do you see yourselves falling in it? I think there's going to be so much opportunity for different businesses, new businesses to come into the space because we talk about convenience all the time. You know, we say slow food fast. Slow food fast is what's happening. Craft mm. food is what people want. People want great food. They want great cocktails. But how do you deliver it quickly? The only way to deliver it quickly is through technology. Yeah. That's going to create so much opportunity for people to differentiate themselves in villages, cities, countries, industries, segments, pizza, burgers, salads. I mean, you name it, there's going to be an opportunity for people to build really great businesses that literally haven't been built before. Right. You know, when we're telling our technology partners who are all the top technology companies out there, what we're building, they don't have case studies. You know, you were talking about, you were talking about loyalty and, and CRMs earlier. I was on a call with Salesforce uh -huh. with an entire team at Salesforce. Yeah. Talking to them about CRMs. Literally the most important company on earth, technology company on earth. Their ticker symbol is them, CRM. I'm asking them, <laughs> do you have a case study of yeah. the restaurant industry for Salesforce? Oh, wow. Do you see a partnership with Toast? These people had no answers for me. I've been on Slack calls with sales team, mm -hmm. asking them for case studies of restaurants using Slack. No case studies. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we are still so early at where we are and where we will go into the future and how this whole thing shakes out, which is why I'm so excited to have conversations like this, because I know that we'll look back on this and go, wow. Yeah. Look at how much has changed in one year. Yeah. One year. Look at how much has changed in five years. I mean, 15 five years, years is un unthinkable. 15 years later, we're literally having a conversation like this. Yeah. That's going to go on Apple Podcast right. wasn't invented. Spotify wasn't invented. TikTok, YouTube, 
all of these different platforms that weren't even relevant, yet now anybody on earth for free that has access to the internet can find this information and hopefully improve their business or make a decision to start telling their story online, publishing content online. You know, the, the greatest example of what I talk about on a daily basis is the smartphone. It's the intersection of content, commerce, and communication. Interesting. Content, commerce, and communication. That's where all three of those things are combined on that smartphone. Those are the only things that I focus on every single day. It's hospitality. How does hospitality fit in the intersection of content, commerce, and communication? Well, commerce is the food part, the food and beverage. How do we sell things online? And then how do we communicate the sales? That's the hospitality side. Mm -hmm. And then finally is the content side. It's the storytelling side. You got to be able to tell the story. Once you tell the story, that's great. But then you need to be able to sell something, right? Exactly. If you can't sell something, if it's hard to sell something, it's not going to work. You make it look so easy. I try to, sim <laughs> I try to simplify it. I talk to, I talk to very impressive people, um, for my shows and I do that and I ask stupid questions, uh -huh. um, so that I can try to make things as easy as possible. And when it gets down to it, you know, we are living in the greatest time ever because we have the internet in our pocket. <laughs> Absolutely. If you were to give operators one quick life hack tip, whatever you want to call it, on how they can improve their social media or get over this hump, this hurdle. You pushed me too. Good. I'm, I'm a good pusher. <laughs> what did I tell you? Video? Video. <laughs> Video. Yeah. Because I was arguing with my, uh, you know, one of my colleagues and we, we were just going to put up audio, just audio on YouTube. Podcast. Yeah. It's and I was like, unacceptable. we can't do this. Uh, so then I got this camera and now I'm sitting here. Yeah. So it worked for me. It can work for you. But what, I mean, it's definitely not easy. You have to push to that trough. You have to, you know, do something that is not natural to you. It still isn't natural to me. So um, as far as like the TikToking and being in front of the camera like yes. this or whatever, this is, I can do. Yes. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to sell myself so short. But uh, what's some tips, just a tip, a quick tip for someone, just a, an operator wants to get going that maybe infrequently posting and hasn't been able to fully see this, uh, the, the potential payoff. Well, the beautiful thing is right now, the most important app that every single person has mm -hmm. is a camera app. Just the native camera native app. Native camera app. Okay. Because it can produce video. Right. Video is what the internet wants. Right. YouTube, even Spotify now is getting into video. I saw that. TikTok, Instagram Reels, Facebook Reels, YouTube Shorts, Twitter. Video allows you to tell a quick story. Mm-hmm. And if you focus on every single day making one short video, mm -hmm. less than 45 seconds. Okay. Who are you and what do you do? Okay. You know, I had Chris Doe, who's one of the most incredible teachers on the internet. He has 2 million YouTube subscribers on the future. He's a design teacher. Um, I had him on our show, Restaurant Influencers, and he was telling me some of his closest friends work with Fortune 100 companies on branding. Uh -huh. His companies thousands, hundreds of thousands of employees, mm -hmm. these branding experts, they go in and every single time they go into a company, they go into the company and what do they do? They get back to the basics. They get back to the founder story. Mm -hmm. We've lost our way. We've added too many products. We added too many services. We don't know who we are. Get back to who you are. Anyone that's listening to this, if you're an entrepreneur and a business owner, 
you had to tell a story to your wife, to your husband, to your significant other, to your mother, to your father. I have an idea. You had an idea. You said that idea out loud in real life to somebody and they laughed at you or they supported you, one or the other. And then you had to tell that idea to a business partner, to investors, to a potential employee. You've been telling that idea in real life since the beginning of, since, since you started. Right. And the more you told that idea, the more excited you got about it and the more you got people to buy into it. Absolutely. I'm just saying, tell that idea to the internet. Mm. Publish that idea on the, online. Mm -hmm. That's the real unlock. The real unlock is that we do it every single fucking day. Every day we go and we tell people, this is my dream. This is what I want to build. This is what I'm building. Do you want to buy in? But when it comes to like, oh my God, I've got to tell my, I, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm not a TikTok star. I'm right. not a YouTube star. No one's asking you to be. Right. Just go and be you. Uh. Be you on a daily basis. Put the phone up on a tripod. Have a 45-minute conversation of you talking to your employee, you talking to your investor, you talking to your beer supplier, you talking to your pit master, and publish it. And who cares if nobody watches? Yeah. But then publish another one tomorrow and then publish one the third day. And after 100 days, you'll have data. You go, what worked and what didn't work? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you look around and the people that were laughing at you in the beginning, they're going to go, hey, I like what you're doing, Matt. How did you do it? Right. Like, well, I did it by just looking stupid and sounding stupid. Yeah. It's the only way you get better. Absolutely. Rashawn, we've covered a lot of territory here, a lot of gold. Um, definitely grateful for all that. Uh, if people want to check out your various shows or they want to come here or they want to order delivery, give us the, uh, tell us where we can order the Amazon Primal Barbecue or how we can connect with you on social well, media. The, the best, the easiest thing for you to do is to go to Google and just to Google Cali BBQ. If you go to Google, you'll see how much we care about our digital footprint. Mm. Um, so you can find us uh, calibbq.media is where you can go to our website. We make it as easy. Even though we're a barbecue media company and you can find podcasts and blogs and videos, we make it as easy as possible to buy barbecue online. Okay. Back to the basics. <laughs> if you want to buy barbecue, it's easy to buy barbecue. If you want to follow me, it's at Sean P. Walchef, S-H-A-W-N-P-W-A-L-C-H-E-F. And that's on all the social platforms. I'm weirdly available. Um, love to have conversations about digital hospitality, smartphone storytelling, technology, and restaurants. Yeah, if you're in San Diego, please let me know that you're here. Come out to the Smokehouse and Media Center. I'll make you do a TikTok video. I'll make you uncomfortable. <laughs> so if you have a if you have butterflies in your stomach because you're like, I know I want to start, but I don't know how to. Yeah. Um, I have no problem helping you make your first couple videos. Amazing. Well, really appreciate your generosity and thank you again for, uh, for all the wisdom. Thanks for coming down. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you're curious to get a firsthand look at the cutting edge of food and tech, check out Hungry.tv. That's Hungry with No You, where you can join in on live conversations like these or sign up for the free weekly newsletter.